This is the Sources on the Soil, the podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2Mikes, the guy, my boy, and it's the bigs at Tomlin Does It, Terrence Tomlin of the Bigs Media. And we're here to recap the 2021 White Sox campaign. Um, There's a lot of different ways you could look at this season. And I'm interested in seeing, you know, after you had some time to uh, sleep on it, let the emotions die down and balance out a little bit. Give me your overall thoughts, T, about, you know, the White Sox in 2021 and ultimately what you saw in the playoffs. Man, first of all, man, definitely uh, happy to do, you know, get another installment. Well, like you said, man, I got a chance to really sleep on it and marinate on, you know, the way the season ended, bro. And I feel like, you know, we mentioned it before, but the best place to start is with everything that they had to overcome this year. You know, you go back to the uh, very beginning of the season, they they lose their top two players within the first 30, you know, 60 days. And I honestly don't know how many teams could have overcome losing two of their best players. We've seen teams have success after losing a star. Uh, in baseball, we know that it doesn't come down to just one player. Uh, but the White Sox were riddled with injuries all through the season, bro. Not just Luis, not just Eloy, but they lost uh, Grandal for an extended period of time. They lost Tim for a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and feel like they put Humpty, uh, Humpty Dumpty back together right before the playoffs yeah. uh, got started. And then you just really wanted to see, you know, how far they could take it, man. And looking back on it, a first-round exit, although it stings, I put that in the territory of this team, given the circumstances, completely maxing out on on their uh, potential for this season, man. You get up against an Astros team, and it doesn't take very long to see that they're in a different class. And, and maybe the White Sox expectations going on, you know, going into this season were a little ambitious. But I was happy after hearing uh, Jose Abreu and, uh, and Tim Anderson earlier today, man, that this is not a naive bunch. These guys know exactly how they lost. Like the conversation we were, we were having a couple of days ago and, uh, you know, before and after the series, mm-hmm. it sounded like they were flies on the wall. They recognized how lethal that Astros offense was. But more than that, they recognized the approach and, and the difference to how they were getting down, bro. So I feel like when you look at their accomplishments, you look at the fact that they ran away with the AL Central, basically won that division with one arm tied behind their back. Uh, you, you look at the fact that they were able to extend a series that they really had no business extending, you know. Um, I would say it was a, a, positive, uh, a positive season with a whole lot to build on for next season. Uh, even if you just want to say the loss made it clear what their flaws were. So now, you know, maybe the job is easier for Rick Hahn at the end of the season. Now you know exactly what you need to work on. And I know we'll get into that in a little bit. But after the initial sting of seeing, you know, this this talented team, and, uh, you know, full disclosure, every team in the American League playoffs is a very talented team. The White Sox being in that bunch – uh, it's something that they, sh- you know, shouldn't hang their heads on. And um, honestly, man, I-, I feel like, you know, fans, the organization, you got to be proud of what this team was able to do this year. 
but I'm I'm honestly even more excited for what's in front of these guys because if they were able to do if they were able to get to the playoffs as easy as they were when they were riddled with injuries for as long as they were this season. They can't happen two years in a row, can it, bro? They can't deal with those kind of injuries too, you know. But um, I, I'm just saying, you you hope that your your luck, you got a little bit more luck on the injury side going into next season. Yeah. You look at how they ended the season, bro. Everybody's healthy. You know, I, I know Luis left the game early, but, and we haven't really gotten any updates on that. But uh, you know, all signs are pointing to the, you know, that these guys are going into the winter healthy with a chance to have a really productive offseason. And uh, White Sox fans just got to sit back and enjoy the winter, man, wait for next spring. It's amazing. You talk about expectations, and the expectations were when they made the moves in the offseason, acquiring Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks, and they shored up what was the biggest weakness was, hey, the pitching staff in in that Oakland series. And I think those moves, in my opinion, a lot of people viewed that as, they're World Series contenders. In my opinion, it just made them the best team in AL Central. But let's remember, dude, coming into the season, they were still picked behind the Minnesota Twins mm-hmm. by a lot of people. Absolutely. So the Minnesota Twins fell off. And like you said, to deal with the injuries. And the reason I was – um, even killed. I don't want to say pessimistic, pessimistic. I was very even killed going into this series saying that they had a chance that they got hot. Like that's any team in the playoff situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bats get hot. They can carry them. Now we talked about it on the uh, preview for the ALDS that it was going to be the offense that won this series, you know, because Houston's going to score. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good, your pitch nah, is. You're not shutting down that offense, yeah. No, they're going to score against Boston mm-hmm. in the ALCS. But uh, Boston, once again, you know, guys that have been there, guys that have been in the World Series, won the World Series championship, and they grind just like the Astros. So it's going to be a pretty good series. And I think what you said is very important for White Sox fans to understand going into next season. They really got a chance to see. And it was go back to game two post game when Tim and Luke Lucas are sitting there and Lucas is like, yo, I, I've never experienced like, yo, I had to soak it all in because that fifth inning was something I had never experienced. I had never thrown a pinch, a pitch with that much intensity around me mm-hmm. with that high of a leverage in a game. And I think they fought. I think the game three comeback shows the integrity and the, the character of this team to get down five, one very easily could have folded their tents. And yo, that mindset was, yeah, let's, let's compete. And it, it's cool that you can be disappointed, but we knew after games one and two, both of us said, yo, this, this is going to be an t- uphill battle. Mm-hmm. You know, because even though they were down 0-2 and they were coming back home, home field advantage is something else. But you just saw the level that the Astros went to. See, that that they know the gear they need to go to. Mm-hmm. They know the difference. The White Sox really don't know the difference. They know now, based upon what you said about Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and the thoughts that they gave, mm-hmm. you know, 
press conferences, but now they know like, okay, there is another level that we can go to. There is another level of focus. There's another another level of approach and another you, level of preparation. You know what's interesting though, bro? Because, and I feel like it has to be said that those are, you know, those are points and, you know, th- you know, those are areas of growth that this team said that they understood after losing to Oakland, w- you know, with that series being a series that I know they, they felt like they should have won. Um, the answer to that was getting ready, getting rid of Ricky Renteria. Like, and like you said, adding to the bullpen, adding some arms. And then you come into this 2021 season where you're yeah. not in the bubble for the playoffs anymore. Right. It's really a home field advantage. But, I, you know, those Lucas Giolito comments coming from a guy that's pitched a perfect game, you know. It, it, I'm still kind of taken aback by the atmosphere being what got to him because I feel like it shouldn't shouldn't that have been expected. And it takes me back, and I know, you know, my, my sports playing experience. You know what I mean, yeah. I, my jersey went to the Raptors after my second year of high school, bro. But I'll never forget as a freshman, we played Providence St. Mel. And, you know, we, we, you know, it was our, we were freshmen and our coach came to us, Coach Terry, who's over at Morgan Park now, or was at Morgan Park with Nick. He was our head coach at the time. He told us, hey, the atmosphere is about to be a zoo. You know? Yeah. Don't let that get to you. And it's always a little different when you get into the game and you see it's an actual zoo. Yeah. But for a guy who I feel, could have pitched game one, or maybe should have pitched game one. I would agree with you. I think he should have, but we talked about it on the preview show. He has the best stuff to combat the strength of the Astros. Let's be real. The Astros hit 269 mm-hmm. in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Like as a team, you can get these guys out. You can get them out. There is a formula to getting them out. This is something. This is somebody, in my opinion, that has gone this entire season unscathed. And I've been on record a couple of times, but I am very critical of Ethan Katz. Very critical of Ethan Katz. Because every young reliever that was clutch for the White Sox regressed under Ethan Katz. Mm -hmm. Whether it was Cody Hoyer before he got traded, Evan Marshall, and my boy Matt uh, Foster. Uh Uh-huh. All of these guys regressed, and it was almost like, man, what the heck happened? Uh, Jose Ruiz, I guess, you know, kind of stayed stable. But there's so much stuff on this staff, and the approach, they it's, their focus is way too much on making the perfect pitch. Like, every pitch has to be the perfect pitch. And I remember seeing Ethan Katz standing behind Dylan Cease in spring training and just throwing out pitch situations. All right, one, two, well, one and two in the bottom of the seven, make the pitch on the outside corner. <laughs> and it's like, fam. What type of situational pitching is this? Like, it's like, dude, you know. like every pitch does not have to be a perfect pitch. You know, and in essence, you look at Lance McCullough's Jr., who basically changed, and they talked about on the broadcast, changed the shape of his breaking ball to more of a sweeping breaking ball from the curve that was more 12 to 6 
in the previous season and how it basically changed mm -hmm. the way he could go at hitters. Mm -hmm. But his approach, and people don't forget, Gavin Sheets hits the home run, turning point in the game. Stadium is going crazy. It's one zip. But the kid in center field gets hurt. It's almost a 10-minute delay. Yep. The cameras are in center field with Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros as they're checking out their player. I forget the this is the rookie. This is uh Tucker. Tuck, no, no, Tucker. No, no, this is Myers. Myers. This is Myers. Myers, yes. No. The youngster. McCormick came in for him. But you go back and the next Luria, was it Lauri that was the next batter? Yes, sir. After that, he had thrown exclusively fastball slider. Fastball slider. He threw two straight changeups to start off later. Mm. You could him, him and Maldonado, because there were pitches to hit. He had, Tim had a pitch to hit. Luis had a hanging breaking ball to hit. Like his slider wasn't on point. And him and Maldonado got together during that break, and he started pitching more with his changeup than his slider. Mm. because he was like, yo, they're on my slider, and my slider's not as good today. Let me go to this changeup, and then I can come back to my slider. That's approach. And it's more about what can I do to get this team off balance and make and throw a strike with it, not having to throw it perfectly on the corner mm. or just per throw it perfectly here because of the count. And that just shows you that when you have stuff like Dylan C's Michael Kopech, who will be in the starting rotation next year, and Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn pitches more with fastballs. The other guys have more breaking balls and more changeups to work with. But you have to be aggressive and pound the strike zone. That's the most important thing. Like you can't, you can't get down 2-1 to good hitters in the playoffs. You just can't do it. You have Every to pound, you have to trust your stuff. Pound the strike zone, throw your breaking ball for strikes, get it over, get that in their mind, and then attack them with the fastball mm -hmm. when you have them off balance. And, and Rodon was able to do that for like the first inning and a half. And then I think you start to see him kind of labor just a little bit before he was before he left the game with two, two innings and two thirds. But I, I'm just saying that because I think Ethan Katz skated, you know. Overreaction was huge from White Sox fans over the last two days on social media. Uh, and, oh, you don't say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I heard stuff like uh, Eloy is a, a locker room cancer and he needs to be traded and Tim uh, Anderson needs to be moved to second base and Yoan Makata hasn't done it. It's, it's just like, man, look, let's be real. Can, we, can I be real for a second? Please. The Houston have Astros have eight everyday players. Eight. Mm -hmm. That lineup has been that lineup the entire year. The entire year. The yes. entire year. Right? No flip-flopping. They knew where they were going to bat, and they knew their role in the lineup. The White Sox, with all of the injuries, all of the rookies having to come up and make an impact, and they did to get this team to an AL Central crown Facts. and to win 93 games with everything that happened.
This was a fantastic season. <laughs> fantastic. My boy. Like what else? What else? There's no way someone could have read the script for this season to you before the season started and told you how many games Gavin Sheets would play. Andrew Vaughn was going to be playing left and right field. From, from game one. From game one as much yes. as he did. Your mean Mercedes was going to carry the team offensively for two months. Yes, there's no did. way, there's no way in that, that algebraic equation for this season that you come up with 93 wins on the right side after the equal. No, no one comes up with that. Maybe you say 86, 87 games, and you're playing for a wild card. Absolutely. They won 93 games, and the overreaction is just Adam Engel's not an everyday player on a championship team. That's who you were going into the season with as your right fielder. Mm -hmm. He's not an everyday player. And, and then injuries took him out of the mix. Well, he's had injuries since, you know, yeah. since he's come up. Yep. Made it to the major leagues, he's had injuries, whether it's, you know, leg injuries, abductor injuries, yep. his core. You know, it is what it is. Look. And then, and then you piece, you know, you put a guy like Billy Hamilton, Brian Goodwin. Oh, all, all of that. Guys who, you know, the league basically forgot about, and they're coming in and contributing. To what you got here, man. It's like you said, this had all the makings of a disaster season. All the makings. And it was never that. It was never that. Never that. Never that. This team brought you so much unexpected joy. Mm -hmm. And do you realize how low the fan base was after that Eloy injury? Let's but be real. Know, they never adjusted their expectations, like you said. Yeah, I feel like the expectations were still if we get those guys back, yeah, then we're World Series caliber. Yeah, I mean, and then, and, let's be real. The hottest team in the American League before they got hit by COVID for about a two-week stretch was the Boston Red Sox. Without question. The Boston Red, no one was playing better than the Boston Red Sox before they got hit by COVID. Mm -hmm. No one. So there's a reason they're in the ALCS. Yeah, you can look at their pitching staff and say, well, we have a better pitching staff. Yeah, that's fine. But our pitching staff didn't get the job done. Our starters definitely didn't get the job done. And, and you know what? That's probably the most disappointing, you know, factor of the way they lost to me. You know, that stat where none of your starters go beyond four innings. Yeah, and then you put that up against the, the stat from 2005 when they did win it all, where every single one of your starters put up a game. complete game. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's just the, the complete other end of the spectrum, and you see what matters in the postseason. It's mentality, bro. Mm -hmm. It's a different mentality. Different mentality. You think about Freddie Garcia was the at the end of his road. He's the last drop in the bucket from Freddie Garcia. All of that. But the mentality yes, from Mark Burley to Contreras to Garland to him, the mentality, I'm, man, I'm taking the ball. Mm -hmm. And you, I'm not coming out. I'm finishing this game. And you know what, bro? I, did, I didn't feel like that from anybody beyond Lance Lynn. I feel like Lance Lynn, even though he, it was like a, a, you know, watching him getting beat up every round, yeah. but he was rumbling and bumbling. Dylan sees Lucas Giolito. 
and, and you know, I won't throw Carlos Rodon in there, even though he only went two innings. And um, but man, I just was not impressed. I was kind of disappointed. I didn't feel like they had the stones. I, I feel like it showed like Dylan Cease, he gives up that that hit in the, uh, the second inning, and then it's like seven, eight straight ball. Let's see, that goes back to mentality, bro. Right. And this is why I have to put the microscope or put Ethan Cass under the microscope. It's like, what mentality are you giving your young pitchers, man? Mm-hmm. You have to get these guys to believe that they're the baddest thing on the, on the, on the field when they step on the mound. Like I'm throwing 98, and I'm using it in conjunction with a breaking ball, and I'm getting out in front of the counts. That's the most important thing. They almost pitch scared. Like I, I just no, I understand a staff yeah. with this much stuff pitching scared or pitching with apprehension. As if they're worried about what the Astros can do. Like, you have the ball. You dictate the game. They don't dictate the game to you. And they're going to foul off. And then another thing, these young these young pitchers have to learn to pitch the contact, man. Everything doesn't have to be a strikeout. When you learn how to pitch, when they learn how to pitch and they're okay with getting the ground ball to shortstop and the ground ball to second base, See, Lance McCullers is cool with the ground ball to second base. Oh, please, please cool give, give him that. Yes. He's cool with it. He doesn't need 10, 11, 12 strikeouts. See, that's why we talk about all of these saber metrics and advanced stats. People are wondering about Dylan Cease, you know, what his K per nine is and what his, his whiff rate is. Is he getting outs? Mm-hmm. Can you get outs? I don't care. You need a strikeout? Everybody has a high leverage situation where they need a strikeout. Run on second, less, no outs. Run on second, less than two outs. Okay, fine. Other than that, just learn to throw strikes and get outs. Bro, so how much of the management of the arms do you feel contributed to their performance? Because, you know, Dusty said a few interesting things at his press conferences that kind of made me look at Tony. You heard uh, Dusty say, if we saw Kopech early on in the series, maybe it changes some things. Oh, he knows. He's talking about game two. He, mm-hmm. he's, they know if Kopech had come into that game after Giolito, it's a chance the whole series switches. Mm-hmm. And it's 2-1 with the White Sox having a chance to close them out in game four. Uh-huh. It's like other teams know what you have. I told you, we talked to Jeff Blum, the uh, color analyst, for Astros radio before the series started. And he said the, the number one thing on the Astros checklist to win this series is to avoid the bullpen. They want they wanted no parts of the bullpen. They felt like they could get at the starters, mm-hmm. which is strange because the starters have carried this team the entire oh, yeah. year, yeah. the oh, entire yeah. year. But when you get into, look, Tapera was fantastic. All series long. Both his, his four innings? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Crochet had one shaky outing, two good outings. Mm-hmm. Bummer basically got, man, damage done to him by IC and singles. Uh-huh. They weren't hitting him hard. Bounced up the middle. Bounced, exactly. You know, exactly. The hole in the infield. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. But once again, that's just approach, right? You have a team in the Astros. Where they're okay taking the single up the middle, 
the opposite way in the right situation. Like mm -hmm. before the big hit, well, the big double by Correa that gave them the two-one lead. Yeah, literally. AJ Przinsky and Wayne Wright are like, yo, he's choking up. That means he's looking for the fastball. It's O2. Then he guess what he served up. So, but see, once again, that goes to Yaz Money. Like, what why are you calling three consecutive fastballs in this for, in this situation to a veteran yeah. hitter? It makes no sense. Made zero sense. And he and he clubbed it. Like you said, was sitting on it. And that changed the game. You know, again, you go back to approach. And and the Astros, I feel like every time knew exactly what they wanted to do at the plate, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, from, from um a fan perspective, that's a very fun team to watch over there for you know for real baseball fans. Oh, they're dope. They're dope. Mm -hmm. That's why I never man, I don't look. I understand what happened. You know, I understand if I dude, if I were the Dodgers and I was a Dodgers fan, I would be heated too. I would oh, yeah. eat it. I'd have a trash can at the game. We Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So with all of that being said, I never came away saying, oh, they're scrubs. Are you kidding me? You know what? The I realized that it was locked in and they were playing the Astros, I'm sitting there like, hmm. Right. <laughs> that may be the worst matchup possible. Right. You just go back, you know, to those games during the regular season where I feel like a lot of fans weren't really, they, you know, they would kind of sleep on McCullers. But, oh, Man. my God, is, is he is he a natural-born Sox killer? I think he had a uh, – he was up 1-0, you know, got first pitch strike on every batter he faced in game four. Think yeah, he did what? Wait a minute. He did what? Say that again. First pitch strike on every batter he faced. Mm. And 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 you know some of those is first pitch swinging strikes, you know. But um, you're talking about a dominating performance, you know. That uh, the Astros, you know, clearly showed that they were the class, you know, you know, the, the better team in this series. But at the same time, like I said in the beginning, bro, the White Sox have a clear, you know, have a clear path of what they have to improve. Some of the issues they had. From last season and, yeah. and led into this year, you talked about right field, the the bullpen and, and the pitching staff probably still needs to be addressed. I'm kind of looking at sec, you know, I'm looking at a couple of the moves that they made, you know, for Kimbrough and they they gave up their uh, their second base second baseman Nick Madrigal for C for Cesar Hernandez, who practically, you know, for all purposes gave him nothing after he got traded. I mean, you could look at that. And see, Nick Nick Magical for me wasn't an untouchable. He just wasn't an untouchable. I feel that. Now, the cohesion of the lineup was definitely affected by Nick being taken out because of the type of hitter he was. Yep. And the approach he had, especially his two strike approach. And sometimes at bats that Nick would have could be infectious to everybody else to get them focused to say, okay, we need to take the same approach in clutch situations. So losing him hurt, and you saw that with their offensive performance immediately after his injury. 100%. In the games right after that. But when they made the move, I understood 
that they were trying to shorten the game or they had their eyes on shorting the game in the playoffs and winning with a dominant bullpen. And, you know, they, they picked up his option, Kimbrough's option. So more than likely they're going to go out, maybe get some young arms in the bullpen or some young players for him. But you have to understand you got you have Oscar Colas, who's officially going to sign, mm-hmm. you know, during the winter period. Yep. That might be your corner outfielder. Uh, Gav and Andrew. Andrew's proven he can play the outfield. Yep. Andrew Vaughn might be your starting right field. And you can rock with that. So, like I said, I think we said it the last time we, we talked, man, this team is going to be better next year. They, they're going to be better. Tim is not going to struggle to hit 300. Tim really struggled to hit 300. I don't yeah. know if it was just the collection of injuries. He had a thumb issue, hamstrings, had some other things going on. Yep. He eventually got back up, you know, with a late season surge to that 300 mark. We're used to Tim being around 320, 330. You know I noticed that. He was uh, bouncing back and forth, 299, 300 yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a long time. And, you know, I asked him early on in the season, well, you know, past the halfway mark about at what point do those injuries start to take a toll on your game? And, of course, the competitive nature of, you know, of Tim takes over. But you know what it is. You know what I mean, it's once you miss time and, and extended time, it's tough to come back. Right. Quickly, you know, and at the level that you're used to playing, I feel like that contributed uh, to, to you know, some of his production. And then on top of that, he spent a lot of time early on in the regular season, I feel like, compensating for what they were missing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He exerted a lot of energy. Low. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, took on a bigger role inside the clubhouse. That was my That was my favorite thing about this season when we got a chance to speak to the players and coaches. You know, they were saying, and I feel like, you know, it came out a little bit in his end of the season press conference talking about him and Tony's uh, relationship this year. But they really gave him the keys. Yeah. I mean, if, if anybody's wondering who, you know, who the, the leader of this team is and who's going to be the leader for years to come, Tim yeah. Anderson it has, a, has a chance to be a White Sox for life. You exactly. feel me? Yeah. And um, I feel like he's only going to get better. You know, as he gets healthy, I feel like, th- you know, he's one of those players, bro, that taste the losing, lights a fire. And that's the kind of player you want. I feel like, you you know, Rick Hahn, you know, his job started as soon as that final out was made. Give it a couple of days. Talk to these guys. Where they head at? Tim said, I'm good now, fam. Right. <laughs> let's work. Let's focus on getting you know, better. You know why? You know why? And I, I, I had took I took issue with him. For a little bit. In the, yeah. in the postseason? Tim is our guy. Yeah, I took issue with Tim. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like there were certain instances where I'm like, Tim, if you're going to be that dude, you got to be able to take it. Like, don't be a front runner. Like, if you're going to mm-hmm. be that dude with bravado, swag, you know, when things go the other way and people talk back at you. Because, you know, when you, when you, when you play like that, you, you put a bullseye on yourself especially in the postseason. And when things don't go your way and Maldonado is back there talking that talk and Stanek is talking that talk, you know, you man, you got to take it. Like, especially as a leader, you don't need to – everybody can't see you being frustrated, mm-hmm. you know, going back. It's like, yo, 
just t- shake your head, tip your cap, like, okay, we got you. And and that you. was real out of character too, bro. Like you, very much so. You, you, I didn't expect to see that from Tim, and I saw it a couple of times, and, and we talked about it. In that in that last game, though, it caught it. I was a little bit more surprised by it. I mean, it's like this is. You could tell he was really at that point. The frustration was at an all time high because yeah. it wasn't that that they would get beat. They were getting embarrassed yeah they, they got sent home on their home field yeah i mean they they got they got they ticket punch they like gone right and, and then yeah i mean regardless of the fashion tim is the 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 heartbeat yeah you know i mean he they go as he goes you know they, they know that all year. they know that and yeah. ultimately i truly believe like you said dusty baker's comments and other players comments they respect the white Sox. they know houston knows Yo, Correa might not be there next year. Some other guys that are coming down, they're going to be free agents. They know this collection of players, their run is coming to an end. That five- to six-year run is coming to an end. Uh-huh. They were extra motivated. I mean, five straight ALCSs, five straight? Hmm. Man, that's impressive. That's impressive, bro. And to do it with two different managers yeah. and rosters flipping all the time. This is, I'm going to tell people this, man. Look, you can talk about Tony La Russa. You can talk about pieces in the bullpen. The White Sox and their chances of winning a World Series, the weight of that solely rests on the core players. Mm-hmm. Tim is going to have to be good enough. Jose is going to have to be good enough. Luis Robert is going to have to be good enough. Eloy is going to have to. That's who's going to win the World Series. Everybody around them, they're going to change. Larry Garcia is a free agent. Mm-hmm. More than likely they bring him back, but he is a free agent. The core is what wins you your championship. Bro, I'm so happy you said that because uh, being at Minute Maid Park in the press box, you know they shove it down your throat. They're like four straight, we're going for a fifth straight. But w- when you look at the core – you look at who's been getting it done for them for the last five years. It is the same guys yes. who are doing it now. McCullers got the save, uh, you know, for, um, in Game Six of the ALCS. Couple it's years it's right. just the same guys that have gotten better and better over the years. And then the cohesiveness. When, when Dusty talked about how much these guys love each other, yeah. and that love can you know help you do things that you couldn't do without it. You know that the White Sox have that aspect, but like you said, it's like as the you see, as the locker room changes and that the the players that are going to be on that carousel, you know, stay changing. Can they keep that that locker room tight? You yeah, know? yeah. As long as they can do that, they'll be fine. You know, you talk about that leadership and cohesion. I go to another game four. Uh, I believe it was the fourth inning, and. Um, McCormick was at bat. Maldonado was on deck. And McCormick's at bat. Kopech is on the mound. And they're trying to get that run in from third. And I think it's second and third. And they're trying to get the, the runners in. And Correa goes to the top of the dugout and yells out Maldonado's name and tells him this is the – this is the approach you got to have. Mm-hmm. Do this. 
and he ends up hitting the ball single up the middle off Kopech. Is that type of focus, like, and you have people in the dugout focused on every little thing. Forget the dude that's at bat. We're looking for. Let me get this dude in on that circle, prep for what mm-hmm. he needs to do, regardless of what McCormick does. Mm-hmm. When you get up there, this is the focus you need to have. That's going to come. That that's going to come. Now, what you depended upon, what you depended on. Uh, Keiko and Lance Lynn to be what you depended on Jose to be and Grandal to be for this team to be at its best. You need your young guys to do that for the next four or five years. They need to be the ones talking to the players to come and showing them this is the way we play Chicago White Sox baseball. Yes, yes. This is the culture. And that's hopefully that's what they picked up from the Astros. Establish your culture. Establish that winning culture. Go out there, do it, and make a run for the next four to five years and hopefully get you to World Series. Man, that's that's what you want. A five-year run, two World Series, and at the end of that, and everybody need if everybody has to go get their bag up in other teams with other teams in other places. Mm-hmm. And so be it. But man, it's nothing. I'm glad that they don't feel down. Because ultimately, as a competitor, if you're gonna keep it a buck, man, as a competitor, you just say, yo, they're better than us, man. Honestly, you got beaten away where that's how us, you know. What I mean, if the socks aren't saying that they're not real, right? They they're not as serious as we think they are, right? You know what I mean. In, in a lot of ways, this was the perfect series for this team because they saw exactly who they want to be. Like they were up against the future them. Yeah. You know, and it took it took a couple of years for the Astros yeah. to get the collection of players and then for that yeah. collection of players to ultimately win a World Series. Like it takes time. You know what it is, bro? We're in Chicago. And I still feel like the the White Sox have that little brother at you know that little brother vibe, and they saw the Cubs core. In 2016, they saw it come together quick, and then they placed that on the White on the White Sox core. Yeah. And I said I said in 2017, don't do that. What happened with the Cubs is 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 some shit that never happens. And you see how quickly that kind of fizz. That's not what you want. Man, look. <laughs> you know, I'm telling I'm telling Sasha, understand what it is you want. Like, you know, if, if it's a slow simmer to the top, right, then, then that's what it is. But that quick burst of you know, bursting your bubble, this team wasn't put together for that. You know what I mean? No, it wasn't. It wasn't put together for that. And like I said, you know. <laughs> International pool, we have some more some more talent coming. The batting order is going to be thicker. And I understand some people overreact. We need to go get Carlos Correa. For what? For what? Don't overreact to what he was able to do in this series. That's, yo, go Man, get some killer. <laughs> so, you know what so, I mean? so you wouldn't like Correa? No. Up somewhere? no, no, no. If I'm gonna go, if I'm going to get one of the shortstops, I'm going to get Corey Seager. 
I'm getting a left-handed bat. You need I don't it. need another right-handed bat. Need it. Yeah. Give me Corey Seager at the top of that lineup. Give me a top three of uh, – give me a top three of Tim, Corey, Luis with Jose back and forth. Give me that. Come on. That's I'm nice. ready to rock. I'm ready to rock. Yeah, I'll take Corey Seager and I'll move Tim a second for Corey Seager. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with that, but it has to be a left-handed bat. And I'm not saying I who wouldn't want that? You know, Carlos Correa, dude. Okay. But I would prefer I prefer to get a left-handed bat. hundred percent. Two, two left-handed bats at second base and right field. You definitely gotta shake up that that constant barrage of right-handed bats. You definitely Man. gotta throw some left-handers in the mix. Boy, Lance McCullough Jr. just went to work. Oh yeah. Uh, that that was easy. That was a, uh, a free kill for Lance McCullers, served up on a silver platform. A team with uh with a bunch of talent, but limited skill. Is it fair to say that their skill yeah. is still in development? Yeah. And uh, McCullers just feasted on a skillful pitch, a skillful pitcher, just mauled down. You know that lineup, and uh, I know Rick Hahn. Mm-hmm. I know Rick Hahn saw that. You know the craziest thing. You know what the craziest thing about game four was? And this goes back to being shocked at what Gio said when you said that. Okay. You know who had the best approach for the White Sox in game four? Who? The rookie. Gavin Sheets. The rookie. Come on. Both both his at-bats. Or he had two hits and yeah. then lined out. Uh-huh. In the third one, before striking out in his fourth at bat, the rookie is going back up the middle, staying back on the breaking ball, hitting ropes. Mm-hmm. Eloy was just out of sorts. This dude was just going up that first pitch, swinging it, whatever. Ah, that was and, – and you noticed it in game one. I feel like even that last series where he had been playing good, I think he started to press a little bit. Yeah. And he completely yeah. got taken out of his game. Yeah. Yeah, no, no power numbers for any of our power hitters. Yeah, no, no, no extra base hits, bro, for for Eloy, you know, and Tim, and, and you know, and that is a uh, that that's a tough pill to swallow. That's a uh, that's well, a pretty that, hard that, way to yeah. go out. Let me explain to you from a basketball. No, no, not explain to you, but let everybody that's listening to us or watching us understand that we have the young, up and coming, flashy team. That wants, that wants to get out on the break. That's what they want to do. They want to get out on the break. They really haven't bought into like defense, uh-huh. the little things that it takes to win a championship. Run they, and play. Yeah, they just know that they can hoop, they can ball, they can run, they can jump, they can do the spectacular, and that's what they want to do. But what you watched was an old veteran team that came into the postseason and said, we're going to slow the pace down. And we're going to make these dudes play half-court ball. Absolutely, bro. And the, White, the White Sox were unable to do it. They they never could adjust. That's the best analogy I've heard. They never could adjust and play half-court and take what the defense gave them. They have the talent, but they weren't able to adjust. And it was it's brilliant. You talk about all singles, that's because that's the way they were attacked by Houston pitchers. Mm-hmm. 
Houston pitcher said, yo, we're going to throw strikes, get out in front, keep you off balance, and we're not about to just throw you the fastball, and fastball counts. And you see, now that's when, I mean, bro, that's when I, I turned my head to the manager. Oh, absolutely. And, and I and I wonder, does he know that this is 2021? And 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 the style of baseball that every team play, every team looks like the Astros. Yeah. And, and the White Sox, I feel like all oh, year they, they were playing baseball from ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was upset watching this team. You, you know what I want to see next year? I want to see these dudes running the bases, man. We have way too much speed. Yes, on man. this team. Not to steal more bases than we do. Oh man, like the speed that they have on this team, they can be aggressive as they want to be. Yes, they they can get these pitches off balance, you know, in their heads. Yes, a guy like Tim Anderson, bro. Yeah, who I feel like has got faster, like Lou uh, Lou Bob. You just got you got the tools to play that kind of game, like you yeah. said. You got to take advantage of it. You got to use every trick in the bag to win a World Series, bro. Mm-hmm. Every trick in the bag. You know, you watch what Boston did against Tampa and how they took advantage of things on the base paths. Houston stole three bases in Game Four without even a, without a throw. Without a throw, bro. That that was crazy. Kyle that Tucker the icing on the cake. Kyle Tucker just taking bases. I'm like, come on, man. Second, third, walk home. Walk home. Okay. It's crazy. So, yeah, this is a T. This is a great season, man. I'm sure in the upcoming weeks, you know, we'll get more content, man. We'll dig deep into free agency. We got the GM meetings. We got the winter meetings coming up. It won't be long. You know, January we'll have the convention, yep. and you know, February pitches and catches report, and then we're back at it in March. So, you know, things this 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 calendar will flip. And the next thing you know, we'll be getting ready for the 2022 campaign. But best believe, sources on the soil, we have some more stuff coming from you. We're going to dig deep. I can't wait, bro. About this roster and what needs to happen and who they need to go after. But, yeah, just know that, you know, I think both of us are pleasantly surprised with the way the season turned out. Not happy with the playoff performance. But the overall bird's eye view uh-huh. of what could have been and what ended up happening, I'll take it. Now I, I'll take it without question, bro. You know, you, you, again, I look at the core of this team, and I'm I'm probably even more excited. I look at what what Luis and Eloy were able to do mm-hmm. in very limited time. Yeah, you know, and I I'm giving them a, a full off season in the spring to come back and be at full strength. The rest of the league still don't want to see those guys, bro. No, no. Anderson, like, no, come on. Like no. you said, you, if if the uh, they add a left-handed back to the top of that lineup, and now Tim is the second guy you face, watch his RBI number shoot. You know what I mean? If they add two. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because I understand people, Cassianos might, you know, end up opting out. He might be a free agent again. Well, once again, that's a right-handed back. I mean, you know, I, I'm not about to sit here and complain. But, but you know, I mean, exactly. 
It's of course you're not gonna complain about having that bat in your lineup, right? But you know what you what needs to be added to that lineup. They need that left-handed action. Yeah, and I think honestly, rather than free agency, one of the youngsters are gonna get moved. One of the youngsters are gonna get moved. I think they really like what Romy Gonzalez showed them this year, too. So Romy Gonzalez is gonna get a shot. Okay, at that second base position. Which one of the youngsters you thinking, bro? I think Burger, man. I think Burger, but I think Gavin for the right deal for an everyday player, for an everyday player. Because Gav, look, Gav is not as good as Vaughn in the outfield. No, nah, but you know we talked about that left-handed bat. I love, uh, trust me, I love Gav. <laughs> I love Gavin Sheets, but I'm just telling you, you know, if you. Man, let let me see. They messed up when they didn't get Michael Bradley. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and, yeah. yeah. especially for what Houston gave him. Mm-hmm. Michael Bradley would have been the perfect, perfect addition. You know, without question. Without well, question. Let's say they go out and get. I, I'll go you one better. Let's say the only left hand bat that I would want to see them get in free agency would be. If Cleveland just decided not to go ahead and pick up Ramirez last year, he becomes a free agent. If Jose Ramirez becomes a free agent, yeah, I could put him at third and put Yohan back back at second. That's that's the type of move I love. I told you, Seager, I'm with bringing his left-handed bat in, adding that via free agency. No, nah, but I, I think you're 100% on point. Uh, I I actually played around in my head with scenarios to get Yoan back to second, even though I wasn't mad at him at third. But you, the, the options that you could bring on, you got some, uh, some yeah. pieces that you can move around already, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, look, make no mistake about it. The Dodgers were talented for years. Couldn't get there. They went and got Mookie Betts. He changed everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. So it's on Rick Hahn right now to go and get that guy that can change everything. It's got to be a big splash. It has to be a big splash. Go get the dude. I understand you have pieces that you like. You like Burger. You like Gavin Sheets. But if we're talking about getting a talent like Mookie Betts, Add it to the roster. Man, that's what you have double A and single A for. There's more mm-hmm. talent coming. You know, and you've seen, we can all, you already saw our system can put out you know, young players that can produce. So, yeah, I'm not, this is, this is definitely an off season where I see a trade probably being the big splash rather than a free agency. No, I, I feel like they already showed their hand a little bit. Uh, with the Kimbrel, you know, with the Kimbrel update on what they plan to do with him. Yeah. The Because, uh, of course, you don't want to lose a guy like Nick Madrigal. We talked about it. No. And, uh, and Cody for nothing, you know. So you, you pick up his option and you try to move him. That, I feel like that was the le- that's the easy move for, for Kimbrel. But, you know, like you said, the trade market, they, they may be active, bro. They have to be. You got to be. I mean, I can't see it other, any other way. You got to be active. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, yo, we need to make a big splash. 
you know, because there are a lot of talented teams that can get to the point where the White Sox, White Sox are, mm-hmm. right? I think the Brewers have hit their ceiling. Like the Brewers have to make another splash. Like it's, I don't know who it is, but Willie Adamas wasn't it. I don't care how great he played in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He's not that difference maker, you know? Uh, Tampa Bay might have hit a ceiling. Hey, you know, they, you know, ran up against the buzzsaw, but yeah, like, no, nah, you're you're looking at how how you lost to the Red Sox, and you're like, okay, yeah, we uh, we tried to do some things at the trade deadline, yeah, didn't work, like you said. Now let's see if if there's a big splash out there. Yeah, because all that piecing together a pitching staff and using openers and all that stuff, man, you yeah. can run up against a good team that. And, and and had that thrown back in your face. Yeah, that's, that stuff, that stuff isn't working, man. I mean, Starlin Marte is a free agent, but once again, he's a right-hander. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you would love him in right field, but you know how do you supplement a left-handed bat in there if you take his right-handed bat mm-hmm. into the lineup? Like I said, we'll we'll dig deep, man. This we're gonna be with you all winter long. Yes, we got sir. you. We got you right here on Sources on the Soil. If anything breaks, man, we're definitely going to give you our feedback on what's going on with the White Sox and keep you in tune, you know, as the bigs always say. It's us. They keep you locked in. Yes, sir. Sources on the Soil is going to keep you locked in all through the winter as well. So Absolutely. for my boy Terrence Tomlin at Tomlin Does It, I'm Sean Davis. Uh, this has been your 2021 recap for the Chicago White Sox. And we'll be back next week, and we'll be talking to you about some of our free agent and roster moves that we would like to see. We'll dig a little bit deeper. We gave you a little tease today, but we'll dig a little deeper and uh, come up with some interesting scenarios. Yes, sir. I I got a couple on my head already, SD. So, Rick Hahn, we already know you watching. Mm -hmm. We already know you paying attention to the bigs. Come on. So we're going to throw some stuff to you. Yes, sir. Make your job easier. For my boy T, until next time, man, change the game.